Hi, and welcome to another Filthy Talk. Welcome back to those who are joining us again. And if it's your first time, welcome, I guess. Uh, I'm Trevor Gemma, your host, and sitting next to me is a familiar face for those who have been watching, uh, Roz Young, who is joining me because uh, Chris Livingston could not be here. He has a prior engagement. Uh, I murdered him. Yep. <laughs> Turn on camera. <laughs> uh, and You're all in right, on it now. Oh, sorry. Uh, to my right, we have Jesse Jade Churchill and Tim Rutherford. And joining us in place of Ryan White, we have Matt Baker as our fact checker Ooh. and chat liaison. So say hi to him in the chat and uh, be nice because if you want to ask any questions, he's the one who holds the power. So, yeah. Uh, so first things first, we're going to discuss what we're drinking today. Mm. Yeah. Um, Tim, you want to? I'm drinking Wild Eye IPA. It's a literal local favorite because it's like 45 feet from the lockup. So oh. uh, it's a nice, hoppy, easy drinking taste. And well, I frequent it a lot. Oh, are you an IPA guy? In the summer. Oh, okay. I find that IPAs are too prevalent in this city. Like once the craft beer thing took off like crazy here, it was just IPAs everywhere. And I'm sure. not sure. I think I well, I think it has its ties to the ocean, obviously. Like so it's like I think that ocean front and that sea breeze just make the IPA go down easy in the sun. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Jesse, what do you got there? I'm being a super basic bitch and drinking white claw. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's lime flavor. Oh. You can't tell? I mean, Essence of Lime. Uh, <laughs> I think Nora used to play bass for Essence of Lime. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, White Claw, I haven't had a White Claw. And I, they're new, right? They're, they're new relatively new. Yeah. Well, so why are they associated with the whole, like, like as you said, basic bitch? Like, why is, why is White Claw got such a bad rap already? Um, I think it's because they're light. They're zero um, sugar. They have like 100 calories or something like that. They're really easy to drink. It's oh. not like, I don't know, I find some vodka sodas are really like sharp in the mouth. Oh. And this is not that, oh. <laughs> which is nice. Um, and I'm allergic to beer, so. You're allergic to beer. Pop. I thought you didn't just didn't like beer. No, I like beer. What are you allergic to? Malted barley, apparently. Oh. Yeah, it makes oh. me uh, go numb in the face and hands. I mean, that's, that's tragic. That's, oh, no. <laughs> that could also, I mean, if you're going for that, that could be fun. I get drunk very fast, but it's also like danger zone, like half a beer trying to take my clothes off in the middle of the street kind of um, wow. adventures. Wow. Yeah. Right. So White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, that was a great commercial for White Claw. <laughs> I'm drinking, uh, this is boring, I'm drinking the same thing again. Um, once I'm off this diet, I'll be drinking something other than the prime time from Bridge Brewing. But for now, uh, I'm glad to have a low calorie, low carb alternative. <laughs> Just commercials all around, very nice. Thanks. Um, yeah, what are, you, what are you drinking? Today I have the Featherweight IPA from Four Winds. Mm. Uh, I basically stood in front of our taps here and I went middle road and picked the one in the middle and then yelled for Bev to come help me figure out which one that was. Um, and I'm not disappointed, it's great, really good. Again, I think another one that's super awesome for sitting out on a patio next oh, yeah. to the ocean, mm. so 
Yeah. I'm curious what the difference is between the two. I mean, that's a, it's quite a bit of a darker like color to it. It looks cloudier. Taste off. Taste off. <laughs> describe it, describe it. <laughs> Tastes great. Yeah, oh. it's good. Yeah. Wow, in depth. <laughs> <laughs> this looks really content people come to our channel for. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so thank you guys for coming on the show. Uh, and one of the reasons that this panel is this panel uh, is so we have a show coming, which we mentioned previously in the first episode of Filthy Talk, if you saw it. Uh, if you haven't, check it out. It gives, us a, it gives you a good idea of what we're doing here. But anyway, uh, we have a show that's down the road from now, because it's quite a heavy production, uh, that is a D&D-based show. And this panel is uh, not necessarily just D&D, but uh, role-playing games is a big thing for the people sitting here, more so than me. Uh, so thank you guys, and that's what we're going to be getting into today, uh, for however long we feel like it. Um, so to sort of kick things off, ooh, uh, <laughs> my chair is squeaking. Excuse you. Chair. It was. It's the chair. Oh, wait, it won't do it again now, right? <laughs> of course it won't. Of course it won't. Um, so, okay, as a, as a player, I've only started playing D&D since uh, this company was a thing. And I'd never played it early. I, big regret, because I, I was huge into uh, uh, improv uh, throughout my life. And I'm, I'm finding that D&D is basically board game plus improv. Uh, so it's like it was kind of custom built for me, because I love gaming. Uh, and it, yeah, just. Tons of wasted time, years, decades of my life that I could have been doing something that's a ton of fun. But uh, what brought you guys all to the RPG world? Well, uh, definitely like same kind of ties uh, right out of high school, like improv and, and all that theater kid stuff, like just kind of playing with a bunch of people around a table. Really what spoke to me over the years as I discovered was kind of a, a sense of communal storytelling. Ah. That like, you're, you're not just alone, like one person kind of maybe like lays, like one, one person draws the map, but it's up to everybody at the table to like tell a story about the things that they find and, and the encounters that are unique to each person. And that to me really like, kind of like sparked that I, I guess kind of like anxiety-free creativity. I was able to just like connect with a bunch of people in like a creative way without, you know, the pressures, I guess, of filmmaking or, or anything else. The like performance. Yeah, a performance. And it's just, you, you sit down at the table and the longer you play, the more that each person kind of like falls into their own and then becomes a part of the story. And that's what really sold me about the, like the tabletop RPG and just that whole world really was a, a, a unique way of storytelling in a community that I kind of felt myself uh, out of high school. Unfortunately, I didn't play in high school because I was all like, you know, well, you gotta be cool and stuff. Yeah, same thing. Like and Little did I know I wasn't cool at all until I like grew up a little and I was just like, oh yeah, wait, yeah. No, okay. I can be a total cool. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Was D&D the first game that you played like in, in pen and paper RPG world? Yeah, um, well we, we attempted when I was quite young to play a game called Rifts. Um, it's kind of like, 
yeah, it's got a long history of really difficult to play and like kind of loose. Um, but then eventually I found my way into D&D, &D, which had like, you know, obviously through the generations and the iterations become very powerful and, and you know, really honed. Hmm. Um, before we move on, you had your hand up, Matt? Yeah, uh, you know, just while you're talking about how you used to be so uncool, apparently you're super cool because the chat is just blowing up here wanting to know who is your shirt by? <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess uh, Le Cartier, maybe? It's from Simone's. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go, chat. <laughs> Jesse, what was the first game that you played as an RPG? Um, so I did start in high school um, oh. because I was well aware that I was not cool. <laughs> uh, D&D is cool, everybody. Uh, it is now, okay? Well, but it is not. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, sorry. I'm sorry, go on. No, 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 yeah. it's okay. Um, I actually, the first role-playing game I ever played was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, AD&D, mm -hmm. which definitely makes me sound more aged than I am, but that's fine. Okay, um, I, I don't know what, what that is. It's a, like the first Dungeons and Dragons. Like, Advanced D&D is the first D&D? I think so. I mean, it's like the one that you see. Matt. Matt. Look uh, I'm looking it up to make sure, but I believe Advanced D&D is actually second edition. Sorry, oh. second edition. Okay. Um, but, but like when you watch Stranger Things and stuff, it's the one that the kids are playing. Oh, okay. There. Um, and I just found it like this really amazing way as a weird kid with like no friends in school, we kind of like picked out these friends from other cities that we met at like summer camp and stuff. And we got, would get together on the weekends and it was a really amazing way to like discover who we were as people and like just how to interact. Because like obviously as a weirdo at school, you don't really get mm. real interactions with people. It's like, oh, thank you for throwing fruit at me. Yes, um, cool. Uh, so that, that leads to an interesting sort of question that I was going to uh, uh, leave a little bit later. But uh, if you did play it where you weren't necessarily suit, like, at a time in your life when you weren't socially apt, did you find it easier to be a character that wasn't yourself? Absolutely. And I feel like I felt like that for a long time. Like, I, like I also was a theater kid and did like musical theater and all these things, and I always found it was like a nice escape, especially um, as an angsty teenager. Mm. It's like, need to escape the angst and make a character that's also extremely angsty, but at least it's not my own <laughs> personal angst. It's something well, it's like therapy, it. right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's, like, it's not me saying it. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's this rogue. Yeah, so many people <laughs> say that like the characters you create are just different versions of yourself, and I think that that, that is... Sense. True, uh, to a certain Until point. Until you get far enough along, like your first few for sure, and then later when you're like, I'm a potato who has a funny hat, <laughs> and I was raised by wolves. Yeah. And then you get a little farther away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you can like fully be outside yourself instead of like working out your own personal garbage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't, hmm. I'll have to look at that with my character, whose <laughs> name I'm not gonna say right now, but uh, what? But there's so many of them in the world. You could be anyone. That's true. <laughs> I just don't know if I've if I've got a lot of self in there or not. Mm, probably. I'll have to analyze that. I think. Mm. <laughs> what, was was D and D your first exposure to RPGs or? Yes, uh, but I didn't play a lot uh, as a kid. I tried it once, but it was hard to figure out when we were small. Mm. And so we had kind of like 
you know, we dicked around with it, and we were trying to make the maps and make it happen, and then I was like, this is going nowhere, and no one really understands. And I think there wasn't really a clear person who understood the rules well enough mm. to DM. That seems important. It's yeah. And so we, we sort of fell apart in the way that there was, there was no impetus to keep it all going. There was no person leading the group. Uh, and so we were just like, I'd, and you're kids, so you're like, I'd rather do this other fun thing. And um, that was back when we still were allowed outside and to rat, run off into the wilderness. And so, you know, we all just kind of took off on our bikes and bye. Uh, and then when I got into high school and university, I was a different kind of nerd. So like, you know, science nerds and shockingly just didn't find a group to play with or people who were into it. Oh. Um, and finding your people is a huge part of making your tabletop experience awesome. And I didn't really find those people until I was uh, at the film school here in Vancouver. And then I met uh, Rudy, who's amazing. Oh, oh, Rudy, Rudy Yeah, so he's my first DM. Oh, like, shout out to Rudy. Oh my god. Hi, Rudy. I owe him everything. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, but yeah, my first like real campaign DM. and. As soon as we did our first experience with someone who really knew what they were doing and really had a love for the passion of the role-playing experience and the collaborative world building, mm. and also we were all writers and storytellers and had found that, that passion in our lives, that I was like, holy shit, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Mm. Uh, and then I just never looked back. And then I was like, I played one game with him, and then I started a million more characters, and I started DMing, and then I was just, everybody that I could talk to, I'd be like, dude, would you like some dice? Can I give you dice? <laughs> and also, we're playing next week, so please roll your first character, and I will see you soon. Uh, and that just became everywhere I went, just like forcing everyone I know to play D&D. <laughs> and that continues. <laughs> Although you didn't force people here. Oh, no, you guys came you to came me. To you, yeah, right? but so. we'll tell those stories. Yes, we'll get there <laughs> another time. Um, but. So that brings me to something that I was, uh, oh, Matt, what? What's up? <laughs> um, uh, we have a question, a really great question from the chat here for you guys to discuss of, are there any character archetypes or stereotypes you'd like to see retired in D&D &D lore? And what would you like to see more of? Oh, I, I have a quick one for that. Uh, and I'm, I'm personally embodying that in the show that we have coming. Uh, my character's a dwarf, I'll tell you that much. And I don't like the fact that all dwarves are Scottish. Why? <laughs> what the hell is that? Like, who came up with that? Why, why is that a thing? <laughs> uh, are the Scottish people offended by that? Has anyone ever checked? I don't know. I'm a little Scottish, mostly Italian, but... Quick, Matt, send messages out to all of Scotland. <laughs> yes, ask them. <laughs> I'll get on that. Are you offended by dwarves? <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just, I've always hated that. I hate that, the, that all dwarves, everyone's default is the I'm a dwarf. Like, I can do it, but I didn't do it. So my voice for my dwarven character is not Scottish. So, yeah, anyway, that's my answer. I totally agree with that, like, stereotyping thing, and I would love to see, and I think it's happening. I've seen, like social media kind of going in that direction, but like the stereotyping in races in D&D in general mm. is, ooh, <laughs> not great. Well, they um, just, uh, they didn't uh, wizards change the, uh, the canon of tieflings so that they're no longer defaulted to uh, evil or neutral, evil, they can be actually good? Yeah, I think they're getting, hopefully, getting rid of like the evil race yeah. concept, because like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't like calling them races, I call them species. Well. It just feels weird. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like, 
using races in D&D &D as an allegory for races in humanity has been a thing for a long time, and it's been not subtle yeah. and super not great, and I love to see that kind of thrown out the window mm -hmm. um, so that we can not have that sort of thing anymore. No, I dig that. I mean, that's not just a D&D &D thing or fantasy thing. I mean, look at uh, the Gungans in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> the Gungans or the uh, Nemoidians, too. Like, we could say that for almost everybody in yeah, Star, every so every like group of Star Wars. Horrible yeah. in, in sci-fi and all sorts of different yeah, I agree. Media that was made in the seventies, maybe let's scrap the whole aliens and different fantasy races identifying with actual human yeah. races. Yeah. Because yeah. why would they? They're not from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I really think that the like the whole premise of um, nations divided by like races or species like it's it's very outdated mm. like uh, you know like they the orc nation is going to rise up against you they're trying to take over the place like well that's not that's not even like a realistic depiction of modern day like it's not we're talking about nations we're not talking about races yeah, but when you DM, and I know that, so we're in an original world, but mm -hmm. that is extremely, like, based on, so that we can use all the rules and the core books of, uh, you know, the basic D&D, 5th &D, edition. Uh, but when you do your own worlds, and you do your own worlds, like, I, I find that we naturally modify them to reflect the world that we want to tell stories in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really important thing to talk about with your players, so that's a very... Uh, safe and and you know the experience that you want at your table you craft that right and as the dms yeah. we have the power to say well in my world these are the rules of that experience mm -hmm. you know and you, and i think we naturally start to modify those those things in the books but it's good that they're going to start to change absolutely yeah. well like yeah. crafting it together too like at the table and like you know mm -hmm. if you're fortunate enough to have a lot of diversity at your table like D&D has always lent itself well to a lot of, uh, you know, independent and like subcultures, and now that's becoming more of the forefront of of that kind of stuff. So I, you know what, I'm I'm excited to see another edition of Dungeons and Dragons and other type of RPGs that they don't have to lean on that kind of, um, you know, as you pointed out, like 70s, 60s, 50s, 30s. I mean, we can get into Lovecraft all day long. Like, this stuff is no longer relevant. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make some of those concepts, the ideas, and the heart of it, the heart of telling a communal story. Like, let's not lose that. And, you know, we'll actually see a much stronger, much better version of these kinds of storytelling abilities and, and games like it's 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 a fun thing and to structure it in a way that like antagonizes somebody because you they're a race like uh, they're like they're evil because that's well, the book says the rules say they yeah. have to be like what rules say somebody who has follows to be those evil? rules well the weird thing is i can see I'm, 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 as you guys are saying all of this i'm going through like different I'm looking at arguments on uh, from different angles and getting rid of everything and painting a world that you want things to be is 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 an admirable thing, but it also erases conflict to a degree. No. Humans it, are humans, no matter what. Well, yes, uh, 
if they're allegories for humans, then why should it and apply? That's, but that's the other thing is like, do we want a game based in the fantasy world to, does it, it, does it need to reflect the actual situations on the earth that we know? Like it doesn't have to. No, but as we touched on earlier, a lot of those first characters are dealing with their own shit. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it is healthy to experience some... That's true. ...outside experience, but, I, like, it doesn't need to come in that form. Like, yeah, and... I think the world will be better. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, there's so many things to talk about on this, but I was going to say, I think um, we haven't played it yet, but we've done a bunch of research into wanting to play Tales from the Loop, and... I get the impression from the way that storytelling works is it's very much about what's going on in the kid character's life that you create mm -hmm. and the drama of the people they're interacting with, which tends to be very normal conflict, normal for a kid, as opposed to the fact that the huge world is still crazy shit is happening. Um, yeah, there's a Netflix show now about it. Oh, um, Prime. Prime, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have... Uh, this crazy world going on that is a science fiction version of our world, mm -hmm. uh, but that's not really what's going on in your kid character's life that much. It still interacts with that, but your main conflicts will be like problems with a bully at school, your parents are having a divorce and you're having problems, you're not getting along with your siblings, um, and you're dealing with those things as the major part of what, the conflict that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, oh, go, go. Oh, no, there is another uh, <laughs> RPG like that that I super can't remember the name of now, um, but where you play a child and like they have an imaginary friend and your whole experience is like that child's experience and it's really um, their imaginary world too and like kind of how they picture the impact of the outside world on them. So kids on bikes? No. It's the only other one I know that's oh. that style of like a play Stranger Things. <laughs> well, Sounds I have, awesome. I have a question. Yeah. Is So I've only played D&D. The only other game that I've like ever had a calling for that I want to get to at some point, but I've heard is super complicated, is Shadowrun. Um, I also wouldn't mind, and in a similar vein, Cyberpunk, uh, mm. playing before the video game comes out, playing the, the, the pen and paper version. I got a hookup for you. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. um, you, were you learning how to play that game? Uh, yeah. I remember been, that, right? I've been trying to get a thing started, but obviously um, certain realisms uh, yeah. brought that to impossibility. It's, I'm not huge on like the digital uh, like RPG tabletops, um, just as a personal level, but so it's, I've had a hard time getting started, but I've really been enthusiastic to play that game before the video game comes out. Yeah, just to know the world yeah, a little bit Yeah, better. just to like understand how it, all started and and how it developed. I'm really excited to play that game. I feel so, like it would to have an understanding of the game, like the pen and paper version, would probably make aspects of playing the video game more enjoyable. Is my hope, anyway. Mm -hmm. Maybe to ruin it. I don't know. Sometimes you read the book and you hate the movie. Uh, <laughs> well, but you're also going to craft such a unique experience because every time you play any tabletop role-playing game with your friends, even if you tried to play the exact same campaign or the exact same one-shot over and over. It's wildly different every night. Like yeah. you just do, you know. That's the beauty of it. It's never the same. It's always yes. different. So that's another interesting thing about the translation of. Uh, sorry, I've, I was going to ask a question about what other RPGs do you guys really enjoy besides D and D. And we can answer that, but also 
video games, uh, the, the translation of like, I know there's the, like Baldur's Gate 3 is coming out and I really want to play it because it looks awesome. Uh, and then Cyberpunk's coming out. There was, uh, I played a Sega Genesis version of Shadowrun, which was an amazing game. Yeah, I remember. Like it was just, it was really good. Like for the old like JRPG style game, mm -hmm. it was so much fun. And then they made like a Shadowrun game that was just a first person shooter a couple years back and it was not good. So I've been wanting that to happen again just to get back into that world. Um, but is there something lost with video games and, uh, and classic RPGs? I had a conversation about this the other day, actually. Um, and it's really interesting because they have, it's like RPGs have mechanics. Mm -hmm. Mechanics are valuable to make things happen. Um, and in video games, you don't get to see those mechanics. Yeah. You're not doing the math in front of you with dice, um, which makes it a little bit more smooth, I find. I, I personally don't like tabletop games with a lot of mechanics because my brain doesn't really work that way. So I like things that are a little bit more um, role-playing heavy and like storyline driven. The less you have to roll dice and do math and figure out how to do that stuff, the better, because then I'll be like, mm, doesn't confuse, I don't understand. Do you get um, caught up in the math and then like it takes away from the game? I do. I mean like I have been playing tabletop games for like 15 years and I will never understand how to cast a spell in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> like I just won't. <laughs> I've tried so many times, I don't understand. Um, so I think that like video games take that and like put it into the code. You don't have to look at it, you just get to do it. But you don't get to create it. Yeah. Which is so much. You're on a track. Yeah, you're on a track. And even if it's like an open world game, there's like set things for you to do. Whereas in a tabletop game, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Literally. And anything. usually does. And yeah. usually does. <laughs> there's no like select one of two responses, or even if it's four responses, it's still the, like. Yeah. You could say anything. You can say anything. And like everything has to adapt to that. And everybody is working at that moment to make that happen. And it's a truly unique experience every time. Like Ross said earlier, like every single time you play it, it's not gonna be the same, even if you're playing the exact same, like one shot, it's not gonna be the same every time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really amazing, even if you have to do math every once in a while. I kind of like that when you play some games, you see through the veil of that, and you know that it's sort of just like your dice, but maybe more complicated. But when uh, we play the older public online, and then you're playing with a bunch of people, and it's basically like a dice roll to determine who gets to answer a question or be a part of the next thing. Um, you know, and it's just like statistically the odds are equal, but somehow always Matt's character gets to go. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that happen? And we end up murdering everyone because you're a monster. <laughs> um, you know, I just, it's a, but it's a fun way that you're like, oh, this is actually the same, only if I just understood more about the way the statistics are done, because the book does the job for you of most of the like, hey, this is how many hit points your monster needs to have for this encounter level and all of the experience points that we don't even bother with in our game that much. I'm just like, you guys leveled up now, it's fine. <laughs> um, but really, like, the numbers are done by someone to mostly figure it out so there's a balance in a system, which translates, I think, pretty, pretty accurately most of the time. There's frustrating versions of that, obviously, but there's a reason that it fits so well with a video game because really they're based on a system of math and numbers. See, now that's where I... I wonder, personally I feel this way, but I wonder if other people share this, is that when you're playing with dice, when you roll a die, there's a, 
there's a certain amount of, of, of chaos and luck. Like the, the stats are the same, but I don't trust a computer's randomizer the same as I do rolling. You trust your dice more than a computer? Yeah, but I know that there's a lot of people who believe in <laughs> luck. And, and when you put a computer in, you take the luck away. I think you take a little bit of the magic away. Yeah. I think that the... You can't pray to the dice gods and just... 20! <laughs> like... It's really faith when you're rolling a die. And unless... I think it's like that analytical version of like religious and like atheists. Like if you prefer uh -huh. to roll on a computer, yeah. <laughs> praying to the dice gods. Yeah. yeah, yeah but totally. that's, that's a good like uh, uh, analogy for that though. Is, is logic luck versus <laughs> maybe actual luck? Like there's a whole lot of variants that aren't being measured with you rolling a die. But I find like even if I'm playing digitally, I'll roll a die because it's just like when, when, when it rolls your way, it just feels like, like the universe is like hitting that favorite string and you're just like, oh yeah, <laughs> this one was for me. And even when it's like rolling poorly, you're like, yeah, you know, the odds, you know, it's okay. Like, <laughs> but when you're like rolling online and, or, you know, digitally and it rolls poorly, you're like, you blame the computer. You did this. Right? I, I, right? The, the thing uh, John McCready strikes to mind, like cheat and beat, like as he pours it into the chess machine, like just like you did this to me. And I just like, when you roll that die, sometimes you're just like, you know what? I got away with that natural 20 when we didn't get arrested. So, I okay, I, okay, the, that one, like, okay, you know what? This is just going to make things more fun. But, when you're rolling it digitally, I find it just kind of like grinds a little bit harder. And yeah. it's just like that, just the chaos of the die and everybody <laughs> watching. Oh, oh crud. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Um, yeah, that, that stuff. So it, I really like the, the die roll. I'm curious to know like what the general consensus is out there of people that are the potential audience to play those games. Like people who want to play Baldur's Gate, who play D&D, but they're like, eh, I just, I don't know, I need to roll the dice and play my own character and like not have it, you know, railroaded. Uh, you had your hand up. Yeah, um, it seems like a good time to bring up a question from the chat while you're talking about the immense satisfaction and everything of throwing My shirt was $16. All right. Uh, <laughs> that is the second thing they wanted to know. Um, but Marshall asks, uh, what's the most memorable experience you've had playing one of uh, your RPG games? Which I know is a question that oh. Trevor was going to get to, yeah, but it's true. I, I didn't want to leave chat hanging. Um, <laughs> oh, well, me personally. Uh, so in, in my D&D game, we were, we were talking a little bit, kind of like how you customize the world and stuff. I have a thing called sync points. So I let the, like when they do RPG moments, they can kind of like trade sync points like two people get it and if two people spend it at the same time they can like take their turn kind of like out of order so huh. that they can both do something at once cool and it was just a moment between uh you know two players and they had had a really good rpg moment earlier where they like like really hit an investigation moment and they kind of like figured it out you know like one of those moments that can sometimes be a burn as a dm where you're just like Oh, I didn't lay that mystery deep enough. But like, <laughs> they just hit it and they synced up and I was just like, here's your sync points. And then later in combat, they tried something and it failed. But like, 
just the fact that like that whole system like just really resonated and it like they had done that moment together and it was this big like pull the slug into the acid like ah yeah it's gonna like what it is a game changer and it just like popped out of their mouth because they rolled like a two and it's exactly what we're talking about <laughs> with the dice like roll the dice and it's just like oh man like what a setup but that was just one of the most satisfying moments for me to like watch kind of one of those like custom systems like come into play and like really resonate with my players in that moment like to see both sides of it and that's like you know it's the combat meeting the RPG and like these players coming together that was really rewarding for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, most memorable moment? Yeah this is gonna be really bad because I've had so many beautiful emotional... It's a cat. <laughs> There's so many beautiful emotional moments it, playing RPGs and like so many tense, like beautiful horror moments in RPGs. But my most memorable moment is playing Vampire. We were playing Sabat and I got to pick up a woman by her ankles <laughs> and use her as a bat. <laughs> oh, nice. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was just so much fun. And like I rolled really well. I had like three exploding, uh, so a different system, but you roll pools of tens, and if you roll a ten, it explodes, and you get to roll again and add that number to your pool. Oh, nice. um, and so I got like a bunch of successes. So I got to pick this woman up by her ankles in a Walmart and Walmart? <laughs> use her as a. You buried the lead. That is, <laughs> that is a good part of the story. Uh, <laughs> it was my favorite. Mo it was just like. I, it's like something out of uh, Evil Dead. Oh, it was just a beautiful <laughs> moment of ultraviolence. I was like, and it, it just makes me happy to think about. <laughs> How did she, she must have amazing core strength. Uh, well, it was fast. Oh, just the speed of it. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. Okay, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. Uh, uh, most memorable? Um, mm, I, probably the first time that as a DM, I killed a player. Oh, whoa. Oh. Dark. That's heavy. The yeah. player, not the character. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the look on her face might have said more than the character. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was her first campaign. Oh, no. Yeah, so her character. Um, so her first character, you know the character that you invest in? Oh, yeah. As yourself? Yeah. So yep. it kind of was her. Um, and she picked a really classic elf ranger. Uh, you know, and out on the road, and her boyfriend was playing um with a panther companion oh yeah oh my Very god it was classic. tragic it was oh. so bad but she she was playing um this uh adventurous uh elven archer uh who was paired with her boyfriend's character uh this young female noble warrior and she was the guide for this character and they were hitting the road together and they joined our campaign um and they were uh inexperienced as players but it wasn't why her character went down it was bad roles oh, and no. really poor decisions as a group and they got into combat and there was a river situation and she was stuck with a prisoner and trying to guard this prisoner when they were ambushed uh, and when her character dropped uh, I was like don't worry of death saves and at that point the look on her face was why am I playing this game and I'm going to cry in front oh, of my friends no. and I was like don't worry everything's gonna be fine. And I fucking lied because it was not fine. And everybody was trying to rush to her aid and everyone, just, it was just ones, back to back ones. Oh, no. So she death saved, failed, 
Uh, everybody who went to save her was just botching, and we have some really like hard rules about botching with ones. It's usually funny, but in this case, it turned into really not funny. And I was trying to do funny things, but it made the, every, the situation worse. And then when her character dropped and died, I was like, your character's, your, your, your character's dead forever. Uh, and she, she just sat there for a really long time. And the look on her face was really hard for me as a DM because I was going through something like, I've killed someone forever and I don't know what to do. Um, and her boyfriend, who was role-playing like a champion, said, my character just sits down. Oh. And I was like, you're still in combat. Like, every, your rest of your team is going to die here. And, and he's like, yeah, she sits down. She just can't deal with this. She's not going to fight anymore. And I was just like... No, I'm going to kill everyone. I'm going to have a wife, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to do it. Rudy did not prepare me for this. Um, and they, they, were, they pulled it through. They just survived as a group. Um, and I asked her, I was like, did you want to just stay for the end of this? Do you need to leave? Uh, and you know, long story short, she left, came back with a new character who is way more fun, and is this like druid who turns into a crocodile all the time that she's just meant to be this crocodile. And now it's great, uh, but very traumatic for all wow. of us. That was, that was, that's crazy. That's heavy. It was. Um, I can't share since my only real experience is mostly with the, the, the game that we're playing for our show. It would be a spoiler. Uh, although I do have a memorable experience playing uh, over at your place. Just like that one, we did a villain one shot uh, over at Rosamond. I love one shots so um, much. <laughs> and, I was playing this just murderously evil tiefling. Uh, we all were breaking out of a prison, so they were just hardcore villains. And Suicide Squad. We, uh, we ended up on uh, this ship, <laughs> and everyone else got involved in some drinking game because Ash's character was this like pirate, uh, Frankie, Frankie the Finisher. And uh, I'm looking at her. She's behind the camera right now. Frankie! Uh, <laughs> but Frankie was infamous amongst the pirates. And while they were distracting this drinking game, my character, uh, Mortimos, he snuck be uh, beneath, like he just snuck off to go steal some shit. And he sneaks into the captain's cabin and uh, everything, I was, it was going all very well. And then he got busted by the captain and he <laughs> uh, wrapped his tail around her throat and was going to kill her. And she took it as foreplay. And then Mortimos and the captain got busy. Uh, so that was a very memorable moment. But yeah, I haven't played much. So that's <laughs> it for me. Really? That's fair. Um, yeah. Wow, that felt like it was like, uh, uh, that was the end of everything. But it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh, so the question that I did ask that I didn't give you guys space to answer is, is, is favorite other games. Like you mentioned Vampire. Vampire, uh, with the World of Darkness system, I really enjoy. Um, I really like the way that it's set up to leave space. I mean, they call it the storyteller system because that's really what it's for. It's for telling stories. The system is so simple, I can explain it in like, right now. You get dots for your attributes, like strength and intelligence. You get skills that you basically get to make up as long as you can make it make sense. There are five dots, you get a number of points, you fill in the dots, that's it. Mm. And then you roll d10s based on how many dots you have. Tens are success, or exploding successes. Eight and nine are successes. Everything else is a failure. One, obviously, 
mega fail, takes away from your successes. Oh. Super simple. Um, and then everything else is like really story-based, so you get to just create your story, you get to um, justify things within the story, which I think is really fun. Like if you're playing like Mage, for example, if you need to cast a spell, you can justify why the spell you're casting fits within the kind of magic that you do oh. to your DM. Right? Like you get you to just make it up. You get to just make it up. That's really interesting. Yeah. As opposed to having like a just a bunch of cards in front of you or like a massive sheet of hold on, I have a thing for this. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, so nice. Cool. It's just one page. What was the game, sorry? Uh it's the World of Darkness system. Oh, okay. And then there's a bunch of different smaller games within it. So like Vampire, um, Werewolf. Oh Mage. that's the system for all of those games. It's the system for all those games and then I played any of them. It's, it's great. They added new stuff, which I'm not a huge fan of. There's like a whole system for communicating with each other now, oh. where you like open doors. I don't get it. I will never get it. Oh. <laughs> Please just stick it to the D10s, the pool of them. It's so easy. <laughs> Exalted is, has like D10s as well, but it uh, it's like mitfuls of them, where it's just like, I'll just roll all the D10s, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Um, and I've only played it once with uh, our friend Joe, who's a fun, um, when you uh, get to be a player uh, for Joe, he's a really, he's another one of, like us, he's a really invested collaborative storyteller, where it's about the communication with the players, and everybody is kind of create this story together. So he's a really flexible DM, which I think we all really appreciate that, you know, we're gonna do this together and make it crazy and we'll see what happens. Um, and Matt and I played together with him once where we, we're playing, and then Matt literally had to roll like every D10 we'd brought to the entire house. Twenty-eight one... D10s. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like he couldn't even hold. He's like they're spilling out of his hands. So I had to borrow like... D10s from all of the players in order to <laughs> successfully complete the roll. It was very fun, but then at the end, you're just like, "Yep, yep, nope, nope." Is it? I think it got a little bit in the way of the experience. So I like the idea of this like more simple version. Maybe that's the thing we try next. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super fun. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Also, Dungeon World, super fun, but I don't want to take up all the time. So. No, do what uh, other other than D and D? Well, I mean, like lately, you know, obviously I've been pretty focused on D and D, um, just kind of out of work. Obviously, like working on this show has like really kindled that D and D love. That makes sense. Um, but I'm really looking forward to a game called Nemesis. Oh. Uh, I've yet to try it, but it, it's doing pretty well on Kickstarter. So they just put out their like second uh, kind of expansion pack. It, it's it, it's it's more in the world of like Gloomhaven and Descent. So it's kind of like the pre-boxed RPG, but it's it's uh, it's basically aliens. Ooh, kind oh. of meets like a, a little bit of the thing, like and it's you know, set in space, so you're like, you go out as these like space marines to go like handle the bug infestation. Oh, sweet. And it like, you know, it's it's very, very close ties to like the alien world, but it's, it's an interesting RPG in that, unlike Descent and Gloomhaven and stuff, it's not so much the prepackaged character as it is like kind of what you want to experience. Like there's, there's a really big, um, kind of like opening for those who want to like explore like what the alien's about and like it's not all just exactly combat based as some of those like you know the descent and gloomhaven are great games but like a lot of it is just like you go in you fight 
Um, but this one has a little bit more opening to be like, we go in, we watch. Oh. So we're going to like observe the alien and kind of learn things about it that might be important later. So I've been really looking forward to playing this game. I've like supported the Kickstarter, but like we're, you know, I'm just looking for players and a good time to play it, which last yeah. few months have been like, <laughs> Not oh, you like exploring tabletop games and storytelling in small groups? Well, has, yeah, has, hold back. Has anyone here tried doing that during all of this pandemic insanity, like over Zoom or, or whatever video conferencing? We used Discord. Um, it was only okay. Yeah? I would rather... What I did mean, you find was missing, though? As a DM, especially, I find that, yes. <laughs> uh, I know, you had that pinky move earlier. Um, as a DM, I can't read the players well enough, and I can't, we, you miss the, as much as we try to practice not speaking over top of each other, mm -hmm. it's a really important part of the experience of that everybody being a part of. Well, it makes uh, it more real. Yeah, of the excitement and the sorrow. So when something really good or something really bad happens, you miss out on a couple of the experiences from each person because you're kind of getting a selected audio of it's trying to pick who you're listening to. Uh, and, and then as a DM, I'm trying to see, oh, did I miss out on something? Because I have a couple players who are a little bit more vocal, and so they dominate. And then usually when I'm in the room with them, it's easy for me to call to the players who are a little bit quieter and involve them in other ways. But I found that over looking at their, them on the screen, I'm, I'm not able to do the same investment for everybody, which mm -hmm. for our group, we really love that. Like we love that, you know, sometimes the key to this moment will be our quietest player. And I have trouble making that happen when I'm doing it digitally, like virtually that way. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it I don't know. It's so just, great. To it like, wasn't as fun. It, you really get to share those moments because you you always have those people that are like really great at the table, that they're they're there to like kind of role play, really like you know maybe work some shit out, like uh, <laughs> like so that you get them to have a moment. But it's great to feed off the reactions of others because now you're like really building it together. It's not just like everybody like oh wow they're really good at that like. Mm at the table, you can definitely kind of like read, like somebody's like leaning a little bit forward and be like, and then something happens to your character. What do you do? And it puts them on the spot. And I find that sometimes very freeing for people that like, oh, well, I was emotional. So maybe my character is too. And they get to suddenly express themselves where before they might not have been so comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. And in Zoom and, and in the digital format, you're very right. Like, yeah, it's just like the person talking gets the highlight, and that's the only way it can really actually function. So whoever's talking the loudest kind of gets gets the microphone, and that's really not the best method of telling story. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't do it. I even board games I planned on playing over Zoom, and I never did it. <laughs> also, I think like you, um, Matt and I were just about to try to put together, find some friends. I can see Annette just kind of off screen a little bit, but um, buddies to do Star Trek stuff with. And mm -hmm. I just love the idea that I have a character sheet from a ship. Um, and we had started like building a bunch of pieces to start getting together. And then it just felt like, how do I learn 
how do I learn in this remote format? I really need to be with people so we can sit and look over this and figure things out together. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think as a lot of us are experiencing D&D together again, as we go through the experience of making our show together and we're all playing and getting excited about it and then we get excited about other systems to try. But if we can't really learn those in a room together, it's really challenging. Yeah. And I think you don't want to enter into something that you might get turned off by simply because the experience isn't the way it was designed to be played. Mm -hmm. Speaking of learning new systems, may I quickly insert a shameless plug? By all means. Amazing. I was about to segue to um, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, I stole your segue. I have it on a card. Oh. Um, so my fiance actually just made a system and it's available on itch.io. It's called Ill-Fated and it kind of breaches that subject that's really, I think, can be very emotional in RPGs. Um, which is dying. Um, so you're just meant to die. Like that is the ultimate goal of the game. You die. Sounds like life. It's it is. It's not like that. People um, die. Yeah. Uh, but you have a, a little bit more choice in what happens. <laughs> um, so basically, ultimately, you get to really specifically choose how you die and the story. Um, it's very simple, meant to be like a one-shot system, obviously, because you die at the end. Um, you roll some dice, depending on whether you succeed or fail, you or the GM gets to decide the next specific detail of your death. Oh. And then at the end of the game, when it eventually happens, you have this little description and then you get to sum up your demise. That's really cool. So you like you kind of like build towards your inevitable end yeah. during the game. Yeah. That's super awesome. And that's I'd like, love to play that. Oh, that's super great. We can that's do it. It's the most active way to write an obituary I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, so it's I called... die by gorilla attack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Sounds great. Yeah. I can make that happen. I think that's super cool. I think that's really it's that's super like a fun. wicked way to build like an RPG. Like. I think, um, shout out, so give us some more details about how people can find yeah, information. How do we track this down. Yeah, how do we play yeah. It? Uh, so on the show. Really quickly, uh, Ill-Fated is the anthology name. The first game there'll be three games within the anthology, and the first one is available right now on itch.io. It's Ill-Fated, Ill-Fated, um, at itch.io, and um, so the first one's called Evil Eye, which is a little more of a fantasy setting, I think. It went live today. Um, and you Whoa. can find them on Twitter as well at IllFatedRPG, all one word. Nice. Yeah. Uh, did you throw that in the chat there, man? It has been posted in the chat. Sweet. Thank you. Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> it's super fun. It's only so an awesome. alpha right now. It's still being tested, but I highly recommend giving it a try. It's so much fun. Can we test it on the show? Can Petra come on the show and can we, play it? Can we test it on the show? Possibly. Oh. Maybe not this show, but we might be able to do something. Our show. Yeah. There's <laughs> we need to play it. Okay. I know we, that we... Uh, we make a lot of shows. Doing, uh, so, heck yeah. I mean, yeah. let's figure something out. Um, we have a... I mean, at, at the very least, you have access to so many people who are so excited to get a chance to play more world-building narrative games together and play, right? I mean, talking about this a lot, but I really feel like... Uh, we do improv, we hang out together, a lot of us are on shows or, you know, and we make am amazing things together that are just, it's really humbling to see what people are capable of creating, but it's really fun to get together even in our, our free time and just play together because mm -hmm. I've only done, I mean, 
so many little one shots here. But you know, we get together on a on a night where we're like, hey, I'll run a game. Alan will run a game. Yep. He ran a steampunk game when Sam came in and ran like a classic game and and, and just kind of get silly and play together. But there's so many people, like every time you say, hey, I might just run a one-shot, you just have all these people sign up and want to play. Christmas one-shots. Oh, like yeah, a, yeah. It's a festival must. Well, we, we must, we, we must. We plan to use this area down in front of the desks, uh, which you can see here, but we're, we're going to be having cushioning in here. We'll probably have a different table, and uh, we're going to do some basically gaming content down there. I love it. I'm so, so I want that to play Ill Fate so bad. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's so good. It sounds so good. <laughs> it's so much fun. I, I really enjoyed, um, I have like multiple versions. Some of them I haven't yet to play because I got them during the pandemic, but uh, uh, Gloom? The you ever played Gloom? Gloom? Yeah. I love Gloom. It's Where great. I think it's a really good way to like get over the anxiety of tragedy. Yeah, because your goal is to <laughs> kill your, your family in the, oh, not your own family, kill the family that you represent. In, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make it better. <laughs> in the most gruesome way possible while having good things happen <laughs> a to A girl could people. dream. I love that. <laughs> but this sounds like it's right up my alley because of how much I enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like a really fun and like we did a, a, a test game a while ago and it was so much fun. It was so ridiculous because you know, like there's no uh, holding back because you know it ends. Yeah. Like finally. like. Is it so, a D10? Uh, system or? It uses D6s, I think a uh, pool of three, and okay. you build up to that. And then um, ultimately what makes you die is if you roll a one, once you have your full hand of dice. Ooh. Kind of reminds me the idea of those really simple one-page systems, like the Honey Heist, or uh, what's the raccoon trash panda? Crash pandas? Yeah. yeah. What? Those, <laughs> okay, so they're like, this guy creates one-page systems, um, and then, but it's D6 based because everybody has, you can easily go to your Monopoly box or some other game For box. For those who don't know, a D6 is what everyone else calls dice. <laughs> there are six sides. Yeah, and lots of people in their house, um, whether you play Yahtzee or you have just basic games left over from when you were a kid, you've got D6s around. Yep. And so I think it's a really great idea to make it something super accessible to people, especially when mm -hmm. the game is so role-playing and narrative-based, where it's less about learning really complicated math, you know, and more about telling an amazing story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a question is, uh, uh, I know that I mean, we're all creative people, but have you found, like you mentioned you were writing, uh, I know that you write as well. I apologize, you're not a writer, but you're still a creative person. Uh, but have you found that playing games where outcomes are based on dice and random chance has affected the way that you would tell a story when previously, if you wrote, you, you knew where you were going and you had point A to point B sort of storytelling? <clears throat> Pardon me. I don't know. I think I plan a lot before I write, especially I guess it would depend on the kind of storytelling. For novel-based storytelling, which I do in Altero. So Altero is this like custom world that Matt and I created that we play tabletop games in with the idea that we'll go to a part of the world we've never been to, which is you know, a great way to build that world out. And then I'm like, hey, where do you guys go next? And they're like, is there a this in this town? And I'm like, there is now. <laughs> uh, sure, and they're like, who works there? And I'm like, 
a gnome. His name is Sassafras. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then you build out like, okay, now these gnomes that come from this area come from this other place. And so that's the way that my players so build the world. So you're using random chance and the players to actually inform your storytelling. But that's like kind of how I build that's the world. Cool. But then if I'm going to write a particular story meant to be in a part of that world, I'm very structured. Like Matt and I, when we story, storytelling versus like scripting or something. So. Yeah. Yeah, the novels that I create then in that space would be very planned out and organized and less based on like random chance. Although sometimes I do get inspired by things that happen in my games where I was like, I didn't even think that could be a thing that could happen and it was fucking awesome. Uh, because my players are so weird and who would think of that? They would. And but those. <laughs> don't, but I, I guess that's yeah. the nature of my question: is is yeah. does, does the random things that would normally never occur to you change the way that you then write your story? I think it changes me as a person. So okay. yes. So yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I love the fact that it informs the world building. That's a really cool. way That to is build for the world. sure the most obvious thing for me is that it changes my world. It grows my world, and that's beautiful because I've done that with this group of crazy, amazing people that I'm friends with and that we've done together. But I do think it changes me as a person, too, because it's, you, you write what you know, and now I know more. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, very much on that thread. Like, it's just the, the experience of other people's storytelling perspectives. Mm -hmm really informed the way that like, oh, I can just build a world and let these characters live in it. And the characters sometimes do what you would think are insane things, yeah. but they work. Because they're coming from a very like genuine perspective of that storytelling. They're coming from their character. Yeah. And it, it taught me more than a lot of other things to teach like at the table that the characters are free to do whatever they want. And that informed the writing, like you said, changed me and, and how I look at things. Like I'll write characters and then the next time I do a draft, I'll be like, well, what would is, that, is that really how that character would react? Ah. What's the craziest thing that that person would do? What's the craziest idea that they would come up with? So it has affected a major. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of like how I, you thought the character was. I was thinking here. about it maybe too logically. Well, like these characters would react this way, but like, is that true? Because I've put characters through that as a storyteller, as a DM, and they reacted in ways that I thought were not like possible. Let's just like you know we'll. You know, we'll turn the door upside down so they think it's the wrong way, and when they try to open it, they think it's locked, and then we'll like get them. And it's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's never been there before. <laughs> Why would he know that the door doesn't open that way? Like, and it's just like, how did you, you know what? <laughs> Let you be you, and that was really what informed, you know, my writing, and I felt cool. like that was a creative bolster to my ability to storytell was just letting the characters be themselves and you only really experience that when you're letting somebody tell their own story and you're just like that is crazy <laughs> but i guess it works because you rolled a natural 20 so <laughs> it has to i work. guess within the probability of the world i created this is feasible and it's made for really crazy and really exciting stuff uh, Matt, you had your hand up. 
Yeah, I know we're getting short on time, but we got one last really good question here from the uh, chat. They would like to know how many players in a D&D game before it becomes too many cooks in a kitchen? Ooh, great. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I can't see there being more than six because that's already hurting cats, but I haven't DM'd yet. Perspective oh, across the table? Um, well, I've played a table with nine. That was difficult to keep on track. I thought I had a good story, nine but they proved it wrong. Like, <laughs> it was, they found a way. Um, they are, like they are life finds a way, Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic yeah. Park oh, style, yeah. every it, time. It's a trade-off between, like, how much time everybody has and, like, you know, if everybody had 12 hours, you could have 10 people play at the table. Ah, but, you know, who's going to sit there for that long, right? Like, so it's, well, yes, I know. A volunteer's I, tribute. Our, <laughs> um, but, like... Right. I think a lot of RPGs have a bit of a time limit. I don't know. What do you think? Do they? I mean, I have played with, I think, seven people, and I think that was too many. Mm. But also, I'm a very anxious human, and if there's like too many people talking and talking over each other, I think it makes it really hard for people who are prone to that kind of anxiety to participate. So I think, mm -hmm. like, around four players plus the GM, I think is like the kind of cushy, perfect zone. Everybody can kind of like interact on a nice level. Anything more than six, I think yeah. is overwhelming. It makes a comfort zone for, as we aforementioned, like dealing with shit. <laughs> like it's comfortable in like four or five people. An intimate setting. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It becomes a little bit more intimate, but I, you know, also like three to four is like definitely the best way to be but like oh. five yeah. five can be very interesting because you always when you start doing five like somebody's risking everybody's life and <laughs> yeah. things just get a lot more exciting for some <laughs> reason as soon as you have a tiebreaker person yeah. they're more of a wild card yeah, than they are a tiebreaker yeah. it's not like they'll take uh, the side like a and b groups will be like this and this but the other person who's like i can make a decision one way or the other will be like nope yeah nope <laughs> We're going in the opposite direction, team. Yeah. I already threw a bomb. I'm sorry, it's too late. Decision is made. Why? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I only know a very You know a experience. large group. I know a large group. Yeah, and, six players. And also it's main. large personalities at the table, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. It worked. I don't know, but I don't know much else, so <laughs> you'll see. It was I think, awesome. I think it depends a lot on the players. Yes. And the players' experience. That makes sense. And I mean, if what you you're working eight on. timid people that were all like just, oh, is it? Then it would. But in, like you know, in in realistic terms, it's it's hard to sit like more than six really experienced players down at the same time because they feel similar in that like yeah. four or five and they might not get what they want out of it and it's just like there is a fine balance but there is something to be said for having huge games because it's just such an experience unto itself that it really presses people to like know the game or you know find a better game that is a little bit easier or like a little bit more, more simplistic or better suited group. to their, yeah. what they want out of it. If and we like, have, you only really discover that in like a huge game where you're like, man, D&D just cannot handle 10 <laughs> people. Like 10 person parties, basically an army at this stage. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't even imagine that because usually I'm running a couple NPCs. 
mm -hmm. on top of my player characters. So if there's six players and I've been stupid enough to involve two, three, four <laughs> NPCs that are traveling with them, which always happens, hashtag Seamus the Albear. why are we still keeping him? He's the worst. Um, then I'm managing a bunch of other things along with those players. So by the time you get into combat, no one wants to wait for oh, yeah. that long through the initiative order. Yeah. Nobody, no matter how fast you run through it. Yeah, and that's assuming that they all stay together. Because everybody splits up. <laughs> right? Yeah, always. So Don't split the party unless you have yeah. to split the party. Um, uh, speaking quarantine. of What's splitting up? the party, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do apologize, but we are out of time. Oh. And I had so many things to get to that we didn't get Darn. anywhere near. So thank you That's guys. That's RPGs for you. They always take way too <laughs> flipping long for everybody involved. <laughs> but uh, that was awesome. Thank you guys for... Uh, thank you for hosting uh, again. Hey, no problem. Yeah, I love it. That's what I do. Uh, so thank you guys. Thank you for joining us. And make sure you tune in next week where we'll be talking about something different. Uh, with most likely different people. But uh, until then, if it's your first time joining us, like, subscribe, please share this out there, get us out there, and uh, stay filthy.